Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. We have been focusing on how to develop the fruit of the Spirit within our church so that we will be an alluring and attractive place to the world around us. And as we've seen consistently, it is the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruits not the fruits of the Spirit. This is, there's only one fruit, but there are nine related aspects that cannot be separated uh, from each other. So today, we're going to focus on the eighth aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, and that is gentleness, because the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And as we've done throughout this series... Uh, We need to begin by trying to understand and decipher what Paul is really talking about when he is talking about gentleness. And in Paul's description of the fruit of the Spirit, um, this one this morning is actually very, very challenging because uh, we really don't have one English word that captures the essence of the word uh, and the biblical word for gentleness. Now, the Greek word used by Paul is praoutes, praoutes, and depending on the translation, it is usually rendered either as gentleness, like uh, in the English Standard Version, and most other English translations, or meekness, as we read in the King James Version. But neither of those words really give us the, um, the full essence of the Greek word. So perhaps the uh, best way to get a feel for what this word means is to think of it as the perfect balance of strength and gentleness. Like the song we just sang, Jesus strong and kind. It's not strong or kind, it's strong and and kind. Now, gentleness is often seen as a virtue, and it is praised throughout history. Um, Gentle people are kind, they're caring, they're considerate of others, they are not easily angered, uh, they're quick to forgive. And the Bible is filled with lots of these examples of gentleness, both from God and from Jesus. And it yields good fruits in the gentleness of Christ by a gentle spirit and a gentle answer. Let me talk about that a bit. Uh, An example of gentleness in the Bible. Well, God is often described as being gentle. He is slow to anger and he is forgiving of sinners. We know this. Jesus is also known for his gentleness. He healed the sick, he preached to the masses, and he showed compassion to everyone that he met. Now, the New Testament is full of examples of Jesus's gentleness. And throughout history, there have been many gentle people who have made a difference in our world. Now, we know that gentleness is an important virtue because it makes our world a better place. Would you agree? I think it does. When people are kind and caring, 
They are most likely to get along with others and resolve conflicts peacefully. Gentleness can also be a sign of strength, though, not weakness. Understand that. Gentleness is not meant to be weak. Gentleness is being strong. Strong in your convictions. People who are gentle usually have an inner peace or a self-control, which we'll dig into more next week. But it is shown in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is displayed by what we call good behavior. And one of the fruits of the Spirit in the hidden person of the heart. It is described as a quiet spirit. Uh, It will not harm a bruised reed and shield of our salvation. The biblical concept of gentleness is based on the idea that humans are made in the image of God and to be therefore treated with dignity and respect. This means that we are to be gentle with others even when they have wronged us. And obviously that can be difficult to remain gentle, especially when we've been hurt. But it is important to remember that everyone makes mistakes and nobody is perfect. By showing gentleness towards others, we are following in the footsteps of Christ. And therefore, we set example for others to follow. When we are gentle with others, we are showing them the love and compassion of Christ. And also, the biblical concept of gentleness is often misunderstood. Because if you ask most people, most people see gentleness as a weakness. That they're not able to stand up for themselves or for those around them. But we know That God looks at gentleness as a strength. It is a strength that we must possess. Gentleness is a strength that comes from God. It is a strength that comes from God. It is the ability to be kind and loving even in the face of adversity. The book of James, as we have referenced many times in this series, but James chapter 4 verse 6 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You agree with that? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Does that sound like weakness to you? No. When we humble ourselves and trust in God's strength, we can show gentleness even to those who are difficult to love. And I know many of you know people who are hard to love. We see them daily on our television screen. We see them in politics. We see them uh, in our fr- some of our friends, maybe family members. They're difficult. I think God has placed them in our life for a reason. Even though we don't understand that reason when we're confronted with that difficulty. But, nevertheless, God calls us to be gentle. God calls us to be gentle not in a way that makes us look um, weak. It's meant to make us look strong. The gentleness in the life of Jesus is a subject that has been much talked about over the years. There are many 
who feel that this is one of the most important aspects of his life and his teachings. After all, he was a man who was without sin, and yet he showed great compassion and mercy towards others, even those who were sinners. And in fact, it was his gentleness that allowed him to touch the hearts of so many people and change their lives forever. When we think of the life of Jesus, we often think of his miracles. We often think about his teachings. But it is also important to remember that he was a man who was deeply compassionate and full of mercy. He was always willing to forgive those who had sinned against him. And he always treated others with respect, no matter who they were. This is what made him different from other religious leaders of his time. And it is one of the things that continues to make him loved and admired by so many people today. As any parent knows, I'm not telling you parents anything you don't know, but as you know, raising children can be a rewarding but challenging task. I struggle with it constantly. But there is a lot of reward when we take the time and the effort to do it and to do it in a way that God has called us to do it. The Bible tells us that God is gentle and loving and that we should imitate his character in our own lives. So when we are gentle with our children, which I fail miserably sometimes, but when we are gentle with our children, we model for them the way that God treats us with patience, understanding, and love. And as a result, our children learn to trust us and to respond to us with respect. Furthermore, when we are gentle with our children, we help them to develop into well-rounded individuals who are able to navigate the challenges that life throws at them. And they do it with a grace. And they do it with a strength. So in short, gentleness is an essential ingredient when it comes to parenting. By modeling God's character in our own lives, we give our children the best possible foundation for a happy and successful future. But that goes the same for all of us, too. If we focus on God's strength, the strength that he wants us to develop in our own lives, when we focus on that, we also could have that foundation for a happy and successful future. Now, getting back to the Greek word prootes, it is related to another Greek word often used in the New Testament. I'm going to spell it for you. I'm going to say it, but I'm going to spell it for you, okay? T-A-P-E-I-N-O-P-H-R-O-S-Y-N-E. Anyone want to take a stab at that? Tap ernachros onne. Yeah, say that ten times real fast. But it's in the New Testament, and it speaks of 
humility and lowliness of mind. Meekness, right? Meekness. In some ways, these two words are opposite poles of the spectrum. And I'm going to explain that in just a minute. You see, meekness or gentleness is the quality of having strength under control. Strength under control. While humility is the quality of self-forgetfulness and giving up personal rights for the sake of others. Both qualities come from God and both are fruits of His Spirit and at work in our lives. When we think about gentleness, we often think about it as a weakness. And while we may picture someone who is easily intimidated or shrinks back from conflict. But we have to understand that that's not what the Bible talks about when the word is presented to us. The Greek word describes someone who has power, but chooses not to use it harshly or selfishly. In other words, it's not weakness, it's strength under control. When Jesus said, blessed are the meek, he wasn't talking about people who are doormats or pushovers. He was talking about people who have mastered themselves, their appetites, their passions, their pride, in order so that they can act with wisdom and self-control instead of being controlled by their emotions. So what does it take to be gentle? What does it take? Well, perfect example, it looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. Kind and compassionate to those who are struggling, yet firm and clear-eyed when addressing sin. A lot of biblical leaders, as they take to social media, open themselves up to attack. That's just the way the world is. And recently I was watching one for a particular leader, a man who has strong conviction and someone who I aspire to. But he's being attacked because he's being too hard on sin. He's being too hard on sin, that we should be more forgiving, we should be more gentle. But God says that we are gentle, but not in the cause of making ourselves weak. Understand that, we are not to make ourselves weak. So what does it look like to be gentle? We're like Jesus. Would you describe Jesus as weak? No. He is the epitome of strength, always calm and collected in the midst of chaos, patient with his disciples when they were constantly asking questions and getting things wrong, gentle with sinners, but uncompromising with the truth. And that's where we lack these days. That's where churches are lacking these days. They are bending the truth so that they don't get attacked by the world. 
we have to be gentle, but we cannot compromise the truth. And that is the spirit of gentleness that we are called to as followers of Christ. And it starts with being humble before God. Acknowledging that we need his help to change and grow. But we're also allowing him to work through us by his spirit and make us more like his son. We live in a very broken world. And it can be very easy to become jaded and hardened by the pain we see around us. But scripture reminds us that we are called to be gentle with others even during difficult times. Christ himself was a model of gentleness and he calls us to follow that example. When we are patient and kind with those who are hurting, we offer them a glimpse of the hope and healing that is only found in Christ Jesus. In addition... Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. So when we choose to respond with gentleness, even in those tough situations, we are bearing witness to the power of God working in our lives. That is our witness. We're gentle, but we're strong. Gentle, but strong. We don't give in. The next time you find yourself in a difficult situation, take a moment and ask God for his gentleness. And then extend that same grace to those around you. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, and we referenced this last week. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Christ-likeness begins with a willingness to forgive and move forward. Moving forward. It's hard to extend grace when someone has offended us. I know this. I've struggled with this from time to time. But it is, it is so difficult to extend that grace. But God calls us to do that. Because our natural response is what? Anger. Retaliation. But you see, God calls us to a higher standard. When we humble ourselves and remember that we are two sinners in need of forgiveness, it becomes easier to extend that grace. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, the apostle Paul wrote, And being found in human form... He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, leading men to Christ is not always easy. Sometimes it requires great gentleness. Paul was a great example of this. He was a rough man by trade. But when it came to leading men to Christ, he employed great gentleness. Reference Acts chapter 16, verse 25. You don't need to turn there, but again, reference it. But 
Look how Paul led the Philippian jailer to Christ. How different things would have been if Paul had not shown such great gentleness. We never know when our gentleness will lead someone to Christ. So, we must be gentle. And it's amazing how one small act of kindness shown to our spouses, even, can change the atmosphere of an entire day. Men, do you know what I'm talking about? Women, do you know what I'm talking about? That little act of kindness towards your spouse can change an entire day. It doesn't have to be an extravagant gesture. Something as simple as offering to rub their tired feet or making them a cup of tea when you see them maybe looking frazzled. It can make all the difference in the world. We need to be intentional about showing gentleness towards our spouses. Because unfortunately, sometimes in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, we can become more focused on getting things done than on being kind to the ones that we love. But taking even a few minutes out of our busy schedules to express our love and affection to our spouse can make a world of difference in our relationship. The same is applied to our relationship to Jesus Christ. Do we show compassion towards him? How do we do that? How do we show compassion to the Lord that gives compassion and is the epitome of compassion? We obey. We trust. We follow in his footsteps. The power of gentleness should never be underestimated, especially when it comes to being married and having kids and and doing the whole family thing. It should never be underestimated. When we do these things, when we follow in obedience, when we're gentle with our children, we send the message that they are safe and loved. We also model for them the importance of exhibiting self-control and respect. In a world that can be harsh and violent, the ability to show gentleness is a true strength. As parents and caregivers, let us always remember the power of gentleness in shaping the hearts of our minds in our children. But also know this. Gentleness is not a natural human trait because it requires humility and self-control. Two things that only come from God. Understand that. Humility and self-control only come from God. When we follow God's example of gentleness, we are displaying the character of Christ to a lost and dying world. And that is exactly what this world needs to see in us instead of those harsh words. We need to be sending gentle words, showing us as a gentle people. For example, a powerful horse obedient to its reins. If you watch the Preakness this year, uh, it's exactly what you witnessed. The powerful racehorses, which weigh well over a thousand pounds, 
are under the control of a jockey who only weighs slightly one-tenth of that weight. Maybe a guard dog, which is friendly to the family that owns him. I don't know about you, but I guess if you were an intruder of a house, you wouldn't want to see a couple of uh, Doberman pinchers. They're scary looking. But to that owner, they may be the greatest dog in the world. And they're as nice as can be, and they're as gentle as they can be. But in both cases, there is great strength present. But it is tempered by a gentle spirit. There's also an aspect of priotes that is demonstrated in our relationship with God. Sometimes we can get a better feel for the essence of the word like priotes by focusing on its antonym. In the case of this, the opposite word would be self-assertiveness or self-interest. So, a person who has developed this kind of gentleness is not subject to the kind of emotional highs and lows because he or she is not occupied with self at all. And obviously, the best example we have of gentleness is Jesus. We see this confirmed by his own words in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Without a doubt, Jesus is the ultimate example of the perfect balance between strength and gentleness. And although he is fully God and could have employed his divine power at any time he wanted while he was ministering here on earth, but he chose to keep that power under control and treat others with gentleness. And this is quite apparent when we look at the way Jesus dealt with others. Several examples come to mind. Uh, the woman at the well is one example that comes to mind. Even though this woman was living with a man that she was not married to, Jesus dealt with her gently and revealed to her that he was the Messiah. The woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Once again, Jesus dealt with this sinful woman in a gentle manner. Um, Luke chapter 19. Uh, we read the account of how Jesus deals with the sinful tax collector named Zacchaeus by going to his house and sharing a meal with him and his friends. But in each of these cases, Jesus did not hesitate to confront the sin. Notice that. He did not hesitate to confront the sin in that other person's life. But he did it with gentleness. And although he certainly had the power to immediately judge each person for his or her sin and to pour out his wrath, Jesus kept that power under control. Jesus also clearly demonstrated the other aspect of gentleness that we looked at in his relationship with the Father. See, he accepted God's dealings with him while on this earth. And he submitted to his plans without disputing or resisting. And 
in this aspect of gentleness of Jesus, Paul is describing this in this familiar passage. Listen. It says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Perhaps more than any other character trait, it was the gentleness of Jesus that led to the sense of disappointment and disillusionment among some of his followers. Many of them, like Judas, were looking for a Messiah who would come in like a roaring lion and establish his kingdom by force. But instead, Jesus ushered in his kingdom as a gentle, sacrificial lamb. So now that we have a better handle on this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, let me get into the sermon this morning. Yeah, I know Pastor Gary did that all the time. And I was like, oh. But no, really, developing gentleness in the way we treat others. How do we do that? We have to understand that God's word is to be handled with the spirit of gentleness. And obviously James deals with how gentleness is essential as we handle the word of God within the body. James uh, chapter 1 verse 21. Uh, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, or priautes, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You see, James is very clearly addressing this instruction to believers. So when he writes about the salvation of their souls, he is referring to the entire process of salvation. And as we have discussed frequently, there are three aspects, past, present, and future of our salvation. And James seems to primarily have in mind that present aspect of our salvation here. And the means by which we experience that aspect of salvation is by receiving with meekness or gentleness. So, exactly what does that look like? And how can we experience that in a practical way? The main way that we do that here is to employ a consistent deductive method of handling God's Word. We need to know what God's Word says. We need to know how God's Word applies to us and how we apply it to ourselves. When we are faithful to handle God's Word in this manner, it guards against the tendency for us to approach the Bible with our own personal preconceived systematic theologies or thoughts about 
the Scriptures. And as I pointed out earlier, gentleness is the opposite of self-assertiveness or self-interest. So when we apply that to the study of the Scriptures, what it means is that none of us, none of us, come to the table thinking that we have all the answers. Our goal is not to prove our point or to persuade others to our point of view, but rather to work together to determine what God wants us to learn from His Word. I'm grateful for the opportunity to engage in handling the Bible in this manner every Monday morning as I prepare for next Sunday's service. And it humbles me every time. And to gain a rich understanding of why we study God's Word is a blessing every day. It creates within myself, and I know it creates within you, a gentle spirit. It's a great atmosphere when you dive into it, when you set aside time to be with our Lord and to learn more about His Word. Because you begin to ask questions. You begin to hear His answers and hear His thoughts without worrying that He's going to somehow embarrass you or give you an opportunity that you're going to fail at and so it's going to make you look weak. No. God provides these opportunities so that we are strong, that we're able to display that to others. Secondly, those who have sinned must be restored with gentleness because every local church body consists of sinful human beings. We are unfortunately confronted with the need to deal with open, continuous, unrepentant sin among believers in the body. Otherwise, what are we here for? We need to be able to tend to them as well. But as we have the need to do that, we must also approach these situations with a spirit of gentleness. We've already seen how Jesus did that and how Paul provides us with some further instruction in two of his letters. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This is where the wiles of the devil come in. Even though we might be in service to the Lord, The devil wants to be right there at your foot and saying, ah, I'll do this. Or no, say this. Galatians 6.1 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We can never approach those situations with any sense of superiority. In fact, as the Galatian passage shows, if we do that, 
We open ourselves up to being tempted to sin ourselves, especially to the sin of pride. We should be grieving, not rejoicing, over the sin of others in our body. And the third and final principle that we'll look at in this area actually deals more with how we treat those outside the body. And although it does already address how we treat each other, we also need to treat our opponents with gentleness. And as Paul writes to Timothy, he devotes a substantial section to address how the body of Christ is to act in its dealings with those outside the body. And I could go forever and ever on this. But I want you to reference 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. You see, God... grants them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And then they come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. This is what we're called to do. But unfortunately, the church in America is often guilty of violating this principle. We as followers of Christ, need to proclaim Christ with gentleness. So every week as we gather to worship, we proclaim Jesus in many ways. We, we do it through our music. We do it as we testify to his work in our lives to others. And we do it as we teach the scriptures. We've all heard the adage that you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Apparently we get that saying from Ben Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac. But its roots can be traced back even further to an older Italian proverb. But then again, that concept clearly goes back even further because it captures the essence of what Peter was writing in 1 Peter chapter 3. When others respond to our gentleness with hostility, they are the ones that are put to shame. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in its breaks the Spirit. We can either have a gentle tongue and be a tree of life or the uh, Holy Spirit tree, which we talked about eight weeks ago. We could be those things. But let me point out once again that this does not imply that we are any way or any way, shape, or form that we water down the truth. We do not do that. Because the consequences of failing to commit one's life to Jesus may rest upon that truth. So it's important that we follow it to the T.
and gentleness is primarily concerned about what is the best for others. And certainly we do not do anyone a favor by not being truthful, especially about the consequences of sin and the resulting separation from God. But we need to be sure that we do that with gentleness. And although it might seem like a contradiction, being gentle requires great strength. Those jockeys had to keep those thousand-pound horses under control. And certainly, we could testify to that. It takes a lot of strength to do the things that we do and do the things that God has called us to do. So the same thing is true about this body of believers. Being gentle requires a lot of strength. It takes strength to handle God's word with gentleness and restore a fallen brother or sister with gentleness or treat our opponents with gentleness or proclaim Jesus with gentleness. But as we have discovered, and we've seen that firsthand in this body, it is well worth the effort when we see God bringing different people together and join them together in a quilt, just to give you an image, in this quilt that is so much finer than anything we could have made alone. And so it becomes this. Isn't it exciting to be a part of that process? That is my desire for this church. Is that we continue to grow, but not just grow, we grow together. And we allow Christ to be the cornerstone of that. Amen? Dave. As we leave here today and as we go through the afternoon and each and every day this week, and actually every morning we wake up, let us just simply lift the name of Jesus high and up before us as we sing. Lord, I lift your name on high. Sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay. Just a reminder, we have all the activities happening this evening. Five o'clock is the time you want to be here. Uh, a couple Bible study classes, Awanas, uh, young persons group, the youth. Everybody could be here tonight. So we encourage you to come. And then afterwards, after the studies, we will have dinner at 630. And you're all invited to come and partake in that. So we look forward to that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your gentleness towards us as sinners. Thank you that we have the opportunity to be reconciled to you. I pray, Lord, that as we go through this day and the days to come, 
that we will focus our attention to how we are to be like Christ. Lord, we know it's not easy, especially in a world that tells us that being like Christ is not the way to go. That we're being too hard on sin and that we're um, not changing with the times. Lord, let us follow you and to stand firm in our convictions with you. Because we know you are with us. You never forsake us. And Lord, so as we go through this day, I pray that you will be with us in every situation and in those situations where we could show gentleness. But not only that gentleness, that will portray the strength we have in us that is only given through you. Thank you, Lord, for our time. And all of God's people said, Amen. Have a great week, everyone. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.